I'm the promo guy coming at you from New York City. Today is Thursday, May 18th, but you will be listening to this Friday at the earliest. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Promo Guy podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Mojo, the stock market for sports. We have a really fun show today. It'll be our last show uh, for a couple weeks because I'll be going on vacation, and we have a big announcement from Mojo. I am again joined by my friend Nick from Blue Duck Media. Nick, how are we doing today? Uh, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. I'm watching some conference finals basketball the last few days. I'm really sad to see that the Knicks are no longer in the playoffs, Um, but not too bad. I'm now a Lakers fan for the rest of the way. I'd like to make that clear right now. Um, So things... What did the Lakers do to you? (laughs) The Lakers, I think, have the best defense left, and I'm just getting on, on board right now. I also live in L.A., as you guys all know, so... Uh, hopefully I can make it to a game. I think I might try and go to game three or four. Fair enough. We'll have to find another bet for you to make back the plus 130 series win I had over you as the Heat easily beat the Knicks in six games. I don't know about easily, but yeah. (laughs) Give me another chance. Okay. Um, Maybe we'll find something with the Lakers, although I kind of like them too. Anyway, uh, so let's get into it. so how have things been going lately? Last week, uh, I mentioned the FanDuel boosts were on a mini cold streak. That continued for a day or two, but has completely turned around. I believe the last three or four FanDuel boosts that we've recommended have hit. There was the plus 175 to end the Celtics series, the plus 250, uh, that was the baseball one. Each of those guys got a hit. And then we had uh, the boost yesterday hit in the Heat Celtics uh, series. So, a nice streak for the boost. There are actually a couple that I didn't recommend that also hit. Um, as far as everything else, yesterday was honestly, I mean, it was a pretty decent couple of days. We had the the plus 500 out Horford free bet hit, uh, and, and then a couple other kind of mini hits here or there. But yesterday was really the big day. We hit, we hit the plus 460 SGPX boost, then we hit a plus 439 SGPX boost from the day before, where the last leg settled yesterday. Uh, we hit the MLB no sweat for plus 330, I believe it was, and then we hit the NBA no sweat for plus 300. So a really great day yesterday, uh, which I would say probably has carried the week, although like I mentioned, FanDuel boosts were good to us uh, in the days prior. I will get to later, to no surprise by many of you, the $25 limit change on FanDuel for some people, but that's sort of the overview of how we've been doing on Twitter. Uh, the Discord officials chugging along, kind of, you know, up small, uh, playing right to their EV, I would say. And then Dinger Tuesday, uh, I've mentioned previous weeks, we've struggled with the home runs, but have done awesome on the free bets. That has sort of kept up, although this last week we didn't do too bad on dingers. Uh, overall, we are up about $200 in the unlimited with $170 of free bets coming in and then a few more kind of still in play, like on their last leg from the previous week. So that's honestly been very good. Uh, and in the limited group, I'd have to quickly go back and check, but I think that the limited group is up somewhere around 50 something dollars. Oh, nice. Uh, about $80, $81. And then they have the $50 in free bets coming in. So pretty good there. And then everything else has been fine. Nothing uh, too noteworthy 
All right, so let's get into this week's gambling landscape update. Uh, Nick, what are we going to be talking about here? Um, so for this week's gambling landscape update, I want to talk a little bit about the MGM case that's shaking up the gambling world. Can you kind of walk us through from the beginning what's going on there? And then I've got a few good follow-ups for you. Yeah, sure. So um, I shared this article up on Twitter by the Washington Post by uh, Danny Font, who does a lot of these gambling uh, type articles. So essentially, somebody had signed up. They'd seen MGM, a lawyer, uh, ironically enough, signed up for MGM using their $1,000 risk-free, as MGM calls it, and many other uh, gambling sites had called it, uh, initial like free, you know, initial uh, risk-free bet, right? So $1,000, so he bet $1,000 and it lost. He got it back, I believe, in installments of free bets. And he bet them on huge favorites because he assumed that it was site credit instead of free bets. So he assumed that you'd get your stake back. So he did it on like Alabama to beat Vanderbilt, you know. And he ended up taking those, da- and, and he won the bet, but it was such a ridiculous money line that he ends up taking his $1,000 free bet and turning it into like, I think the article said $2. He freaks out, says, this is ridiculous. This is not a risk-free promotion because I just lost $998 and I actually even won some of the site credit bets. Uh, So how is this risk-free? MGM offers him, I believe, $12,000 to keep his mouth shut and... Which if he wagered 1000 to win $2, doesn't he... Isn't he profitable $2? How did he lose 998 Right. So you don't get your stake back. Like, you don't get what you risked on the bet. So he bet, he literally bet $1,000 to win $2, not to win it, $1,002. And that, what he risked, he didn't get back. Like, what he risked was site credit, I thought. So if he risked that to make two real dollars, then he's up two real dollars. Or that thousand he had to put up of his own and then that goes away so he initially deposited a thousand then bet a thousand okay. i think he said on some tennis match that bet lost so a thousand dollars are out of his account then what shows up is let's say a thousand dollar free bet right now that free bet could be put on anything and it is a valuable promotion when you get a free bet back but if that free bet then loses then he's out $1,000. Similarly, if he bets it on something that can only win $2, he doesn't get the $1,000 free bet. The $1,000 free bet is just going towards winnings, right? It's just a free roll to use to get winnings. Understood. So all the winnings were were $2, and that's all that showed up in his account after uh, the dust settled. So... Anyway, so he was offered $12,000, he doesn't take it, instead, you know, is sort of running around town uh, telling people about this. So, my initial thoughts were, I've never liked risk-free language, I've always put it in uh, quotations whenever I've cited a promo, just because it is noteworthy that you get a free bet back instead of, instead of site credit, which is, you know, site credit would just be, here's $1,000 in your account, if you bet it all on Alabama Moneyline, for example, you would walk away with $1,002, right? Um, so it's pretty much exactly risk-free. Not, I'm not suggesting you put it on Alabama, but if you just bet $1,000 at any point over time, just as you normally would, then once you've run through the, the $1,000, you're, 
you can then withdraw the money. So that's that's where it's sort of risk-free in that sense, uh, as long as you're actually going to bet it at some point. Where the free bet, again, you don't get your stake back when you risk it, so you very you much more easily can walk away down $1,000. So anyway, I, I, I don't necessarily, I've never liked the language. I know that a lot of these places have been encouraged to change it to no sweat. I guess that's a little bit better. I've always put this stuff in quotations just so people understand it's not actually uh, risk-free. And I think, you know, like I looked at FanDuel now and, and people were pretty critical of MGM and, and the other apps that had similar language saying that this is criminal and this is messed up that they even have this promotion because it gets people used to betting $1,000, which may be more than they would otherwise bet. Uh, my kind of thought is, look, they're trying to encourage people to come bet on their apps, obviously, and they're giving you a very valuable promotion to do so, as long as they're upfront about what they're offering. I don't see anything wrong with it. You know, I, I'm gonna I'm the last one to push for, oh, they should only offer a hundred dollar risk you know, quote unquote risk free bet, no sweat bet, because that would encourage people to bet less more of the time. Look, people at some point have to be in charge of their own gambling, of their own money, of their own habits. I, I don't know if a thousand dollar no sweat necessarily makes you a much bigger unit better, but it's not really the in my opinion the that the gambling apps fault or sportsbooks fault for running a great promotion then you know what you do with that is kind of up to you I would say it's extraordinarily misleading if you don't have the right label so right now FanDuel uh, has bet a thousand dollars get a thousand dollars up to a thousand dollars back in free bets like to me that's perfectly clear if you don't know what a free bet is they can't hold your hand on everything, right? There's not gonna be a, a video explaining it <laughs> on the FanDuel app. So it's somewhere in the terms, I'm sure, but if, if, if you see a term like free bet that you don't understand, then ask about it, read up about, about it, whatever. Like that, that's sort of on you, but when you just say risk-free and then there's $1,000 sitting in your account, I can understand very much so the confusion around uh, the confusion around, oh, wait, I'm not getting my stake back? Like, how am I supposed to know that? So how did this case end up shaking out for our friend, Mr. Lawyer? Uh, I think, you know, he's trying to just go out and spread the good word <laughs> uh, to be careful. Uh, I think it's a good lesson in being careful. I mean, look, even a lawyer could get duped by this kind of a thing. Uh, I would say that when I <laughs> when I signed up for Foxbet, a kind of funny story, I did my risk-free quote-unquote bet, this was well, well before the account, um, on someone to win the championship. And somewhere buried in the terms, the said that it, it had to settle within a year of you making the bet. And essentially, you know, my t whatever team I had picked had lost well before the finals. And I think that the finals were actually set to, to set, like to end a year from when I placed it, like some weird coincidence like that. And for some reason they didn't settle all the, the win-loss bets until like a couple days after the, the championship ended and they tried to not give me my free bet back and I'm like, look, these guys lost 10 months in advance. Also, where did it say a year, right? Like people shouldn't be expected to read those kinds of terms uh, where, you know, if you say, hey, bet $1,000 and it's risk-free, 
Like, there shouldn't be all these provisions. But if you say, hey, bet $1,000, get get $1,000 of free bets back, like, that's fine. Like, they're telling you exactly what the promotion is. So this guy, I think he looks a little silly, but it's a good lesson in free bets. Don't put them on Alabama money line type things. This is why we put them on longer odds, because it's all about the payout you get. Not You know, it doesn't matter if you lose. And it's a good lesson in just always being careful, uh, especially with something that's sort of a, a lot of money. So... I don't know. That's what I think. What do you think, Nick? Well, I'm curious. Do you think that he should have taken... I know I you sent the article the other day, so I did do some reading. Do you think he should have taken the 12K payout he was offered huh. after he raised a little bit of uh, hell about losing his money? Well, he's trying to be a good guy about it. I mean, obviously, he's going to walk away with a lot less. I think it's kind of funny that MGM... Like, the 12K to me was such a weird number because it's obviously less than the $1,000 that he would... You know, or 998 that he did there would be owed, uh, but it's also not enough for to like be hush money. You know what I mean? Like, you'd think that the settlement would be a lot higher than 12k if they're really worried about the publicity in an article like this coming out. So were they actually just to like I don't know? I I, I, I would have expected the number to either be a thousand or to be more than 12k, but I guess this is uh, the outcome where where neither side's happy. MGM doesn't want all this publicity. He didn't get the money, although, you know, uh, I think in his head and probably in reality, he's doing the right thing. So, you know, I guess kudos to him for that, at least, although, you know, we'll see sort of if anything changes or the repercussions of this all are. Okay, well, yeah, that that's a good point right there. What do you think the repercussions will be? Do you think that this will change the behavior of any of the major players? Do you think they'll change the language around free plays or? Yeah. I think it'll be something lame, like everything, you know, and we've already sort of seen this where everything's kind of moved to no sweat, and at least now FanDuel, and I I didn't check the others, sort of are labeling this as, you know, get free bets back. So, I mean, kind of little change like this will help. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't discourage any of the books from keeping these great sign-up offers up, but yeah, I think everything with free bets now, it's going to be a little careful. Like I said at the beginning, I've never felt great about the term risk-free, I've always put it in quotes, but I think that we'll move more towards that. Like, we're just getting away from using the term risk-free because it's silly. Yeah, fair enough. And hopefully some, uh, hopefully people learned, you know, it's like a real live action on, hey, or reminder, hey, don't put your free bets on favorites. Yeah, it is a good reminder and it is a good lesson. Um, well, let's keep it moving here today and let's go to our Wheel of Sports. Uh, on the wheel today... We've got some fun ones. We've got our conference finals picks. We've got the NBA coaching carousel. We've got Wemby going to the Spurs. Aaron Judge sign tipping. And what is TPG's real name? Let's give it a spin. Wow, four four great options there. Uh, uh, Oh, conference finals. I'm excited to hear who you have. We've talked basketball, but I don't know who you have coming out of each side. So I'm excited to hear this. Um, I actually placed a bet this morning. So let's start in the conference that I feel better about. What do you think in the East? What do I think in the East? Well, first, I did this after they beat the Bucks. Let's give our flowers to the Heat. This is quietly the most ridiculous thing in sports. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I mean... Third time in four years this team's reached the conference finals. It's essentially all players that nobody, no other team wanted. They weren't drafted, whatever, other than 
Jimmy and Bam, and Bam was the 14th pick, and Jimmy was base. I mean, whatever the situations were, kind of not wanted by a lot of the teams that you know he's bounced around the league between Chicago, Minnesota, Philly. Uh, so before landing in Miami, so it's it's pretty remarkable. This team is in the conference finals the third time in four years, and it's been relatively dominant the last. You know, in the three runs that they did it in in the bubble, I don't think they ever went to seven. I think it was mostly five. In this playoffs, uh, they've only Jimmy's only lost two games, and now they're up one zero on Boston. And then in, in last year, it was, you know, they beat Philly in six. Uh, I don't remember the series before that, but uh, you know, it it went crazy to the end of Boston. So it's really been Miami and Boston have been sort of the class of the East. Um, and they've reached the conference finals for three of the last four years. Okay, who do I think is going to win? So, I mean, look, Boston's roster is so much better than Miami's. Like, outside of Jimmy and Bam, does anyone play on Boston? Like, I don't think Kevin Love's reaching the court. I don't think Lowry or Vincent or Strews. I don't think well, I think Lowry's the reaching the court anywhere. He brings such a great... <laughs> I've never seen someone... You, uh, you're, you're, play, you're playing him over Derek White or Malcolm Brogdon? I'm playing him over Hart. Peyton Pritchard, who's all of a sudden getting 20 minutes a night. I'm, I don't know what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, that was weird. I'll give you that. But I thought it was because Smart was a little banged up. I, a little banged up. He had 10 assists in the first half. He looked great. Right, right. No, I, but I thought he got hurt at some point in the game, and, and that's why Pritchard but They was. brought him in early. I think he got first quarter minutes. Did he? Wow. Okay. All right. So maybe maybe, maybe Lowry uh, takes Peyton Pritchard's minutes. I'll give you that. Lowry, leading shot blocker for the Heat. TNT loved that. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I mean, I think there's a huge talent mismatch, but I'm going to take Miami after they... I wouldn't have taken them before yesterday. I think that the main reason for taking them is that, like, Boston... Like, you know what you're getting from them. They've been excellent, again, three last four years, and I think that Boston is a little vulnerable. Like, you know, Atlanta took them to six. Philly took them to seven. They just haven't been that rock-solid team, and They've, they've looked a little broken, to be honest. I mean, Tatum kind of bailed them out game seven. And I also think, and, you know, I'd mentioned this a few times over the last few weeks, like I just never really believed that Philly was going to, to get past them or were, were very good, you know, and beat struggles later in series. Doc Rivers isn't a very good coach. James Harden struggled in a lot of these big games. So, like, you know, I think Philly beat themselves almost as much as Boston beat them, and obviously Tatum carried them, but... Miami's not going to beat themselves. Miami's going to be tough every game, and Boston's going to have to be really focused for four game, you know, to win four times against them. So we'll see if they can do it. But you know, for fun, I'll pick the Heat. I know Boston's still decent favorites. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad we're on opposite sides of this because I woke up this morning and was very happy to see that the Celtics were down from, I think it was minus five seventy five for them to win the series. For sure. They lose a game at home, which they've proven they can come back from. Also, it's not like Miami has a great home court advantage. I feel really comfortable with the Celtics stealing one or two in Miami. The Celtics are down to minus 235 to win the series. Um, Sorry, has Miami lost a home game this playoffs? I'm not scared of their home court advantage. Miami, I am scared of. They don't win at home because they have a great home court advantage. The courts, the seats don't even fill up till midway through the second quarter. Pretty sure Miami was third in attendance this year and sold out basically every game. I, I agree. I, I didn't say the games weren't even, sold even out. Even in the post-LeBron. People just show up midway through the second quarter because they don't really seem to care all that much. 
they white out every game and it just it's so the crowd there does not care the way the Boston crowd cares. Well, Boston's four and four this postseason at home, and Miami is six and zero. But uh, point taken. All right, should we go to the West? Let's go to the West. Oh, also, I'm happy to make this bet with you. What what, what odds did you get on um, minus two thirty five? Boston, minus two thirty five. You said. All right, I'll, I'll take Miami plus two twenty for you. you. Can add some action there. Love it. Uh, and you can try try and make back a unit, even though you're down one point three. Th- thank you. I will take my free unit. Done. All right. Miami plus 220, uh, I'm taking against my friend Nick, uh, who's Boston minus 220. Okay, let's go to the West. Uh, I think I know who you have, but why don't you start? This one I don't feel nearly as confident in. I think the Nuggets are so, so good offensively that it's just scary. But after watching that game, I think towards the end the Lakers started to figure them out a little bit. I... Like the value in the Lakers, I honestly am betting more with my heart than my head here. Um, And when you look at some of the shots that they made in the fourth quarter, I mean, the Nuggets played about as well as they possibly could offensively. You get Jamal Murray making everything, including a few bad shots, the one where LeBron gave him the thumbs up. You get the perfect closeout in the corner from Reeves on Michael Porter Jr. He gets that shot to go. Jeff Green gives them a key bucket. You had KCP hit some contested threes in the fourth. I feel pretty confident all of those go and the Lakers lose by single digits. I think the Lakers might be able to claw back into this one, and I'm really interested to see what adjustments they make in game two. I'm going Lakers. What do you got? Yeah, So, and just to be clear, like straight up, obviously, you know, I believe in betting odds and whatever. So, like, do I think the Nuggets and Celtics are more likely than the Heat and Lakers to win? Like, yeah, but for the odds posted, which one would I rather bet? Like, definitely the Lakers for me. Uh, I thought, I, I like the Lakers coming in. I thought this should have been more of a, you know, closer to pick them. And nothing really happened in game one that changed that for me. It's funny. Yeah, there was a shot making on Denver side. I thought the shot making on the Lakers side was almost similarly outperforming. Uh, you know, I think the Lakers shot 11 of 24 from three. And I think ultimately LeBron and, and AD, but LeBron maybe more tries in about four games <laughs> in, in a given series. And he sort of feels out the rest of them or conserves himself, see if he can like sort of steal one without giving that full effort. I thought that in the Memphis series, he only really went full out in three of the games. I thought game one... And again, I don't remember it perfectly, but I kind of remember thinking that he was coasting a little bit. And then the other guys sort of just stepped up. And then late in that game, he was like, oh, okay, we can actually steal this. Let me go try for it. And then he really only tried the three other home games. Then the Golden State series, he knew he had to try. And the Lakers knew they had to get game one against Golden State because Golden State was coming off of game seven. The Lakers were a lot more rested. You got to go steal one in Golden State, who's not the best road team. Like you got to take one. Game one's the one to take. So I thought they they went super hard in that one, and then they tried the three other home games. This series, I didn't think that they used their chips on game one. Teams were equally rested. Uh, LeBron mentioned before the game, he was talking about how it's nice that there are two games in Denver because it's really tough with the altitude. Game one, and I just didn't see from him and AD that sort of 
massive effort. Uh, and so I don't think that they've used their chips yet, and I think that they probably will game two. So I think that'll be sort of the big game in the series to see who wins it. But fully agree. LeBron knew he needed to get one in Denver, and I don't think he thought game one. I don't think was he. Pick, I don't think he game. picked game one. I think he went for it once they had come back in the fourth. But I think he was very happy to just kind of get blown out, and then the the Rui switch as well as just Austin Reeves shot making sort of brought them back, and then he was like, okay, let's try and get it when they and they fell short, but they didn't look worried at all after the game, and I, I just think it's a bad matchup for Denver in general. Uh, I think that the Lakers can kind of bully ball them a bit, also put them in pick and roll where you got Reeves, D'Lo, Schroeder, and LeBron, obviously all guys that can put. Jokic in the action and just make him really work while, you know, he can't really just rest on defense when you have Anthony Davis there. And then offensively, Anthony Davis is such a nightmare where, yeah, even if he's not guarding him, and, and Jokic did kind of make him look silly, but uh, I think that it's a really tough matchup for Jokic, whether he's on the weak side or guarding him straight up. So Jokic is going to have to be brilliant. These guys are going to have to hit shots. I just think from an effort perspective, the biggest stat that was crazy to me was 40% of Nuggets' misses got offensive rebounded, you know, obviously by Denver. So the Lakers aren't giving that up at full effort when they're going for it. I don't see that happening in two. I thought that was the one, that was the stat that was like, okay, wow, like if they can just clean that up, that's a lot of points. And I also thought the buckets they were getting were pretty repeatable. Denver's been sort of up and down defensively all year, and I think stuff tightens up in the playoffs. So we'll see. I mean, it's really tough to win one in Denver. But, and I think that, you know, LeBron is obviously older and we'll see if he gets a little worn down and all that. But I like, to, I like the Lakers for the value at plus, what is it, like 220 or something. Yeah, I think I saw 220 today. I think they have a really good shot in the series. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm glad we're on the same page there. Um, let's, let's give the wheel another spin. Let's do uh, it. I think we've got some, some more good topics on here. Okay. We're talking draft lottery. The San Antonio Spurs, for the first time since, I want to say 1999, get the first overall pick. Uh, It seems like an absolute lock that they'll be taking Wemby. And I have some pretty unpopular opinions here, and I know we don't agree. Um, I guess I'll just tee you up with this. I don't think they should take Victor Wembyana. The Spurs? The Spurs. I think that, I think they will. I think you have to. Wait, like you. Think, I just you don't think, think he should... will be the best player from this draft. Wow. Go ahead. I don't think he's built to not get injured, and I don't know how someone that size can have a long, sustainable twenty-year career. I don't know how people are calling him the best prospect ever when you see an absolute. LeBron is the best prospect we've ever seen and will ever see. There's never been anything like it. I don't even think this guy reaches, like, the Peyton Manning level of, like, sure thing. There's a lot of question marks with his health. We've never seen a guy his size be able to sustain. Okay, let's let's take health out, though. What do you think about him? Let's say he's healthy, right? I mean... There, there are guys that size and similar build. Uh, I think you mentioned Porzingis to me the other day, like who I, mean, I know Porzingis has some injury history, but he, you know he's out playing. Um, on the court, do you think that he would be the best player from this draft? On the court, it's hard for me to see him not make an impact defensively. 
I struggle to see, unless he really is a generational shooter, I struggle to see how he's going to be able to get by people at the next level when people are just so much quicker, faster, and more importantly, stronger. Like, I don't see him being able to dominate Marcus Smart. I don't think you get that matchup. I don't think he can back him. I I watched, I say this as a Knicks fan who struggled, like, watching Porzingis catch at the high post and just want him to back Marcus Smart down and you just can't move him. Like, watching Julius Randle unable to back down Kyle Lowry. These guys in the NBA that are just so strong with the low center of gravity... Sometimes being lo- the low man wins, and I don't unless Wemby can just rise up and shoot over them. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if he's this sure thing, multi-time All NBA people are talking about. I think a few All Star games, sure. Okay, I mean, I think a few All Star games is not a bad outcome. Um, so I, I'm completely on the other side. Look, th- a few All Star games is a terrible outcome for someone being named the best prospect in the history of professional sports. A few All-Star games is barely clearing the bar. Okay, uh, I'm just saying it's not a disaster. And I think that the success of LeBron has almost made it more difficult for Wembanyama, right? Like, I remember when LeBron was coming out, people were saying, yeah, he's the best prospect ever. Uh, You know, I was definitely on, on that train. But... Not that I had seen any other prospects, but you know, whatever, I was a kid. Um, but I think that there was still this, how could LeBron succeed? Like, with all these expectations. There were still people, I remember like one of the Cleveland guys, I don't remember who it was, who was like, yeah, he probably won't be the best player on our team, you know, when he walks up, when you know, when he gets here, kind of stuff. Like, there were still some doubts, and, and those doubts are, are th- there with Wemby as well, but then LeBron exceeded them, and you could argue the best prospect pre-LeBron was Kareem, and he exceeded them. So it's like, it puts Wemby in a spot of, hey, if you're a generational prospect, you better be Kareem or LeBron. So I do think he's in a tough spot where, like you said, if he's a on and off, again, all-star, it's perhaps not even clearing the bar. Uh, but anyway, I think that he'll be a terrific player. Uh, I can't, I mean, you can't really speak to the injury stuff, but yes, he may struggle, especially early to post up, let's say like the Bams of the world, um, you know, the Marcus Smart and Kyle Lowry, like maybe he will, maybe he won't, but I, I think that we're kind of looking at him wrong in the sense that if he's a great shooter, actually I'll start with the defensive end, the guy's averaging like what, four blocks a game in, in the French league? He's 19 years old. He's the best player in the French League, which is already incredibly impressive to be able to do. Uh, I think Luca's the only other guy that was that good in a big league, and, and, and Luca was in a slightly better league uh, overseas. But still, like being that young and that good already is already a, a, a great sign. And now, and we're not even talking about this guy's like that's ign- sorry. We obviously are talking. That's ignoring the fact that this guy is seven five can shoot the ball the way he can. And, I mean, I saw him catch his own three-point miss and dunk it easily while all still in the air. Like, he is incredibly impressive, and the upside's through the roof. Defensively, he's a game-changer. I mean, you see what Anthony Davis can do. A guy that can move and block shots and, like, be relatively quick on his feet is a nightmare. But he's got five inches on Anthony Davis, right? 
Uh, and maybe he's not as beefy as him, but, it, you know, Anthony Davis was quite skinny when he was 19. And so I think defensively he can absolutely be a game wrecker, at, you know, Anthony Davis-level defensive player of the year type candidate. Uh, and I think that you can just, just having him as a roamer, you know, even if he can't quite guard Jokic in like a post-up situation, if you pair him with, you know, one of these bigger guys or guys that can guard post players, let's say a, a Brook Lopez or a Bam or, you know, one of these Jaron Jackson, one of these really good defensive centers, and then you just pair him, he is contesting three-point shots, he is rebounding like crazy, he is blocking shots. I mean, his his defensive highlights are crazy. Then offensively, he can space the court. He'll be a nightmare in the offensive glass because NBA guys, like, especially with how spaced out the court is, it's easy to lose people. And the amount of loose balls, offensive rebounds, all that he's going to get, and maybe he's not going to be a one-on-one dynamic player because guys like Kyle Lowry on the perimeter or Bam kind of lower in can be disruptive to him because he's skinnier right now. But transition, he's going to be really tough. He's still going to be able to shoot over anyone. He's going to be a nightmare end of clock. And I think he gets a lot of offensive rebounds. Like I just think he's going to be so impactful in everything he does with his length, his size, and his ability to move. Where he probably will shoot better than Porzingis. Like Porzingis is the obvious thing, but defensively he's so much better than Porzingis. He shoots better. He dribbles better. Like He does everything better, and he's got two more inches on him. So... You, you know, I think he ends up being, yeah, a much better version of Porzingis, which I think would be awesome. Uh, well, I guess we'll find out. I'm very excited. I'm glad that we have a few different opinions here so that we can go into the season. I, I'm excited to see how it plays out. I also, by the way, on top of... Oh, I'm, I'm going to want to watch all his games. On top of not loving Wemby, I love the prospect that Scoot is. And I, I think that the kid out of Alabama is awesome as well, Brandon Miller. So... We'll wait and see. Um, but that does it for this week's uh, Wheel of Sports. Let's k- take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the B-Block. So let me tell you about Mojo, the live betting stock market that's operating in New Jersey. Every bet on Mojo offers live trading, so you can get in and out all game long. It's stock trading meets sports betting, with money lines, player props, and a whole new career-long bet that they've created. The best part is that you're in total control of your bets. They offer cash outs way more frequently than any other book. And if you use the code TPG and download the app now, you can get your first sweat-free bet up to $1,000. I repeat, TPG is the only way you can get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. It's pretty cool they've created that for us. All the usual rules apply. You have to be 21 or older and located in New Jersey to bet. back in so now we have as promised the exciting announcement from mojo sunday slams are being brought to you uh starting june 4th which is a sunday obviously and this is a really awesome promo Uh, i'm going to explain it it's going to sound very familiar so you bet 25 dollars on a player to hit a home run and you get six dollars in site credit for every home run hit in the game, capped at five home runs. You can do one bet on every game that day. So to me, this is massive. Obviously, the comparisons to FanDuel Dinger Tuesday, uh, this is better in every way. I mean, it's $6 instead of $5. 
It's site credit for now. They, they might switch it to free bets. But site credit on the 4th instead of uh, free bets. And you can do it for every game. And you don't have the $50 limits that many people are upset about with Thinker Tuesday for FanDuel. And for me, like, this is extraordinarily exciting because... I've seen so many people, and about three quarters of people I would estimate, maybe close to 80%, are limited to the $50 max throughout the day uh, for FanDuel. For another, we'll call it sportsbook, uh, obviously Mojo's a bit different, to step in, outshine even, what, what the best promo I've ever seen, the most fun promo as well, uh, for them to outshine them and offer them to their customers is really exciting. And it, and it just, I think that it uh, puts a lot of pressure on the fans of the world to not mess around the way they have. And it's cool to see a, call it smaller book, look to take market share and capitalize on an opportunity. And, you know, for people who aren't completely aware uh, of kind of the EV of this, the best way to look at it is, let's say you're betting on, and you get to pick, you know, so it's going to be the best odds that they have. And the way Mojo displays it is it's done more in like percentage. So uh, like a 0.25 would be plus 300. So you bet $25, let's say on Aaron Judge, plus 300. And to hit a home run. And the way I like to do it and think about the EV of it is we take our $6 in site credit per home run hit in the game or, or free bets, you know, however you want to do it. Uh, we'll do the math for free bets just to keep it easier. So let's say a $6 free bet is worth, we'll just say $5. And if, so if, we're expecting, let's say, two home runs in the game, although usually it's a bit more, but maybe the $5 is a bit aggressive for the, the free bet. So we'll say that evens out. So we're expecting two home runs in the game. So we're expecting $10 of value, uh, no matter what happens with Judge's home run in general. So adding to the payout, we'll do that first. So it's 25 times three, so 75. Then you add $10. So $85 is the payout. And then you want to subtract $10 from the amount you're risking because you're not actually risking $25, you're more like risking $15 since you generally get $10 back. So our real odds are payout of $85, risking $15. So the odds for a judge home run are a lot closer to 85 over 15, so plus 567. That's awesome. <laughs> Especially if you get to pick the one in the game. Getting Judge for plus 567, and I'm not saying that's, I mean, we'll see what the odds are that, you know, Sunday the 4th. But his market, let's say, is plus 300 at minus 450. That is a really arbable, high EV line. You get to do it on every single game. Uh, so the EV is extraordinary. It's a ton of fun rooting for 15 home run plays or however many games would be that day. And um, I just think it's it's really exciting. And you know you pair that with uh, the no sweat, <laughs> quote unquote no sweat, uh, 
bet that you get for signing up and using the code TPG, even if you're in New York, if you're in Philadelphia, if you're nearby, you head over to New Jersey, you use the code TPG, you use your $1,000, you get $1,000 to play with, then you place 15 home run bets and you're, <laughs> and you're home for dinner and you just get to root for it. Like the EV is through the roof, the fun is through the roof, and I'm just really excited that Mojo is doing it. So Sunday Slams coming at you uh, Sunday, June 4th. Well, that's awesome. That kind of sounds exactly like Dinger Tuesday. What do you think this is going to do for the gambling landscape? Like how, how do the other big players in the space respond to someone seeing Dinger Tuesday get taken away, saying if you guys aren't going to do it, we're going to take advantage. Are they going to – is this going to lead to more promos? Um, and is this going to be something that other players start to get involved in to try – and will FanDuel and DraftKings respond by bringing back a lot more of the promotions they haven't been running? Yeah, I mean, first, again, in defense of FanDuel and especially DraftKings, you know, we, we've had two very profitable months the last two months. Uh, they were both over $1,500. Like, some of the promos are still there. But to your point, yeah, I think it really keeps them honest, right? Because, and, and a lot of people may say, oh, Mojo's not going to take FanDuel's market share. Maybe they won't. But all I know is that Sunday, June 4th, should be everybody in New Jersey or even the freaking tri-state area is going to be making all of their home run bets on Mojo, not on FanDuel. They're going to be spending their whole day on Mojo, not on FanDuel. And they're going to be telling their friends about Mojo, not about FanDuel, not on Sunday, June 4th. And I think that that has an impact. And you might see other books coming in and say, wow, everybody's talking you know, about Mojo and Sunday Slams. And they're, they're getting a lot of bang for their buck for this promotion. Like, maybe we should do this. And then all of a sudden, FanDuel saying, hey, everything's been going incredibly well for us market share wise, otherwise, like we can't just start slowly taking away promos or start capping people's maxes and stuff like that. Or maybe they, they'd say, maybe we probably shouldn't further take things away because we no longer get to be Amazon if we do that. Cause people stop talking about us. People stop betting on our app. They start looking around. I mean, they've gained this separation from DraftKings and Caesars. A lot of it came last year when, when Caesars and DraftKings went away promo-wise and FanDuel was continuing to go. I think that summer baseball has been defined by FanDuel and Dinger Tuesday over the last few years. And I think if other places start to take that from them and they start doing that to themselves, yeah, it puts a lot of pressure. So I'm, I'm really hoping that this works out really well for Mojo, works out really well for everybody where it gets a big sign up, it gets big traction, and they get rewarded for doing what we're asking books to do. We are asking them to give us promotions, to give us a reason to bet on their apps. And what is better than Sunday Slams? I mean, literally, it is better than Dinger Tuesday ever was. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think I think it puts a lot of pressure. Yeah, I'm excited for our first Sunday Slams. Can you remind me again when, we're, when it starts? Sunday, June 4th, my friend. Uh, you have to be in New Jersey. Sunday, June 4th. Okay, gotcha. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Draft a fantasy team against your friends for tonight's or tomorrow's games to win cash prizes. Or try out their pick'em game where you can predict player stat projections for a chance to win big. Underdog's slick mobile app is easy to use 
and it's even easier to just start playing. Go to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store. Sign up with the promo code PGP, the Promo Guy Podcast, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code PGP. Well, you talking about uh, FanDuel and all the, all of the promos they've been offering is a nice little transition into this week's Grinds My Gears. Uh, you, yeah. you mentioned it to me right before we started recording. What's got you so fired up this week? Yeah, I wasn't sure what I was going to do this week. There wasn't much that was, that was upsetting me up until a couple days ago when... Uh, people started getting limited on FanDuel boost to $25 maxes. So I ran a poll on Twitter. Uh, I believe the results were about, if you take out, like if you adjust for the, um, it was like 12% of people or something that just wanted to see the results, about 30% of people, excuse me, about 30% of people uh, have been getting limited on their FanDuel boost from $50 maxes to now $25 maxes. And it grinds my gears because they've done it somewhat quietly. It's just for months now, they've mistakenly sort of done it a few times. And now it seems to be more consistent. And it's really just that they think that all the success that they've had, they're like, okay, now we can start scaling back. Or maybe that's their thought. Um, But really like, They've been not not reliant on the boost, but yeah, they gained they gained so much from having their boost. Their their stock has done much better than similar, you know, than Caesars and DraftKings and, and those. Their market share has gone up so much that it grinds my gears that they would be like, okay, now we start scaling back because we because we we've made it. We're we're big. We've done it. Where DraftKings is coming for them. I mean, they're yeah, people give them a hard time about limiting. I've given them a hard time about limiting for sure. Um, and But Caesars done a lot of promos. DraftKings is wearing me out <laughs> with the number of promos they've had. And, you know, FanDuel's just going to keep, they're going to start slipping. I think you're going to see their market share go down, them to create more problems for themselves by honestly being cheap. So I don't want to see all of their money go into K Adams and FanDuel TV and all this stuff, and maybe we'll talk one day about Pat McAfee, but but um, they got to remember their customers here, and and it grinds my gears that they're trying to sneak this one past us, and you know kind of just hope that we don't notice. Uh, so luckily, it's still only it seems to be only people that have some limits on there, about thirty percent of people, but you know they're they're heading down a, a path that uh, I think I think will hurt them. So. That grinds my gears, and I think it'll grind their gears uh, sooner rather than later. And I'm glad that Mojo's doing something about it. So anyway, uh, that's it for our show today. Thank you to our sponsors, uh, Mojo, Stock Market for Sports, and Underdog Fantasy. Stay tuned to my picks on all platforms, Twitter, Discord, Action, (laughs) and of course, the Promo Guy podcast, which will be back in two weeks because I am uh, going on vacation. So uh, no, no podcasts next week or the week after, but 
We're looking forward to having the seventh episode back for you uh, the week after that. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and we will see you soon.